EDM. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Lots to look at in this market today. No surprise, inflation is something we're going to talk about. How is that really having a toll on agriculture? Add to it the updated yield estimates that came out on Monday. Some interesting numbers we'll be taking a look at. What's been happening in South America and China? Did you know about their power outages? And is that going to have an impact on what we see in the soybean trade? We'll look at that and a whole lot more this afternoon as we're being joined by Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex and we got to start out talking, Arlen, about inflation because I think it's been a, a water cooler conversation and it has some big ramifications when it comes to agriculture. Yeah, Susan, you and I have had this conversation many times during the year uh, and about whether inflation is temporary uh, or is uh Fed Chair Jerome Powell likes to say transitory, or whether it's more perpetual. And we've been arguing that it's more perpetual in nature. And the Fed is now starting to acknowledge that may be the case. But it's really made the headlines here over the last couple of weeks again, which has been having a bigger impact on the outside markets, but also on the grain and oilseed markets as well. And, and there's a couple of broad themes working here. And sometimes they work against each other and sometimes they work with each other. First of all, we've talked about a lot in the past when the dollar is strong, that that tends to be negative for the commodities. But we've also talked about when inflation expectations are high, that tends to be favorable for the commodities with money coming into the commodities. Sometimes you have both working at the same time, and then you say which one is going to be the greater factor. We've been seeing inflation expectation rise dramatically. Crude oil prices going to new one-year highs. Uh, in fact, um, in fact, we're seeing new seven-year highs in crude oil prices today. Uh, the dollar, though, at the same time, pushed to new one-year highs conflicting signals. Part of that is because when inflation expectations are high, yields on treasuries go higher, and with yields on alternative securities overseas being so low, we have foreign money coming into the United States to participate in our securities market, and to do so, they need dollars in order to buy those securities, so they're bidding up the value of the dollar. At some point, we would anticipate that those foreign markets would also be competitive or, and or that the money has done it, finished its shifting, and then the increased supply of dollars should actually be more inflationary to the commodities as we see the dollar drop in value. But for now, in the short term, it's strengthening dollar. Longer-term inflation pressures that are in place with the commodities going higher, with uh, energy prices leading the way. Goods and services across the spectrum almost going higher. That is attracting more money to the commodities. And maybe you don't see it on a specific day-to-day, but overall that is providing support for the grain and oil seeds or the ags as well. Fundamentals of supply and demand still do matter. But those inflation expectations and the rich money supply in the markets change the filter through which these fund managers look at the same fundamentals. And so the market manages that supply and demand at an elevated level. You can still get the ups and downs in the markets, but everything happens kind of at an elevated level with the increased money flow until 
unless those expectations of inflation change. So that's what's happening right now in the broader picture. Near term, what are our concerns? Higher fuel costs now as we go into the harvest period, higher fuel costs going into heating and and just uh, fuel for the farm as we go into the winter. But the bigger thing is those fertilizer costs and fertilizer availability, not just nitrogen where the base product is is natural gas, which is trading at multi-year, basically seven-year highs. Overseas, it's, it's trading four times that in Europe. And so a lot of fertilizer production around the world is being shut down because of high natural gas prices, but also phosphate, potash. All those things are very high levels, and that comes into play as we start thinking about next year's planning decisions. So I'm curious, as we see more and more uh containers, uh, shipping containers that are sitting out on the coast and not being unloaded. And I've heard from guys saying that it's having an effect on the parts that they need, not only for this fall, but parts that they're going to need going into uh, the spring. How much is that going to take a toll on agriculture and the economy in general, which then might have a trickle back effect on agriculture? Well, any inputs that we that we purchase that may have come over in a container would certainly be at stake. But it's not just containers. It's anything that's imported. Most of what we produce here outside of fertilizer, we import quite a bit of fertilizer uh, in addition to producing our own. Uh, most of it is produced here and doesn't come over on container. But even the congestion at the ports affects non-containerized products as well. I think the bigger concern is is some of our agricultural products are shipped out in containers, um, not the bulk ships of soybeans, or but we do send some specialized soybeans. For example, would go container from the United States to other countries around the world, or soy meal, or something like that. Anything that's shipped on container, those sh- containers aren't making the regular rotation that they normally would, that increases the cost and availability of containers in order to make the shipments. Okay, so looking as we as we continue looking at the the markets in general, we've got some updated yield estimates and a lot of producers are waiting on that. We're going to take a look at that coming back here for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We'll also get an update as what's happening in South America with their crop and more about China. Back in the news again, this time power outages and how that could have an impact on the soybeans. More is coming up as we continue. It is the Wednesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Joining us this afternoon is Arlen Suderman with Stonex. More is coming up in just a moment. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Let's get another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish chatting with Dusty Mam. He's a Fontenelle hybrids dealer in the Sutton, Nebraska area. Dusty, what do you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle? Good question, Joe. I love the community aspect of the brand. Um, I love that we're involved in our local communities and our our schools and and the things that are important to our growers, and and that's what I think makes us unique. Dusty, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a Fontenelle dealer? Uh, I think seeing some of the old school thought of that we're neighbors and doing things together. Uh, Our dealership has a strong network of growers that communicate a lot together and and do a lot of things together, whether it's on the farm or leisure and, and understanding and knowing that we can learn from each other. Well, for more on how you can become part of that Fontenelle family, you can contact Dusty Mim in the Sutton area or any one of your local Fontenelle dealers across the state of Nebraska. To find him, just go to Fontenelle.com. BM. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue this conversation with Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex. So let's talk about those uh, updated yield estimates that came out as we look at corn and beans. Do we see any surprises from the numbers that you guys came up with? Well, I think what it tells us is that the corn crop seems to be continuing to get smaller and the soybean crop is getting bigger. As as we look overall at this um, crop, we the debate all summer long was we knew that there were problems in the northwestern ag belt with the drought. Would the crops in the rest of the belt be good enough to offset what was lagging or lacking, I should say, in the northwestern belt? That debate continues on, but basically what we're seeing is that while there are some very low yields in the northwestern ag belt, a lot of the yields are coming in a little bit better than expected or a little bit better than feared. That's positive. But in the eastern belt, particularly east of the Mississippi, and I would throw in maybe southeastern Iowa in that as well, we're seeing lower than expected yields. Still good overall. It's still a good crop, but not as good as what was anticipated. So our big debate has been, again, how are the good and the bad going to offset each other? And the net result is we're seeing kind of a decrease in the corn yield, but the soybean yields are coming in better than expected almost everywhere across the Midwest. Again, there's a lot of variation, a lot of variability, and uh, even some places where you would expect some good yields in the eastern Midwest may have disappointing soybean yields. But we're hearing a lot more positive anecdotal reports and actual yield reports on soybeans across the Midwest than we are negative. So as we surveyed our customers, and our customers have done a pretty good job of coming close to what the USDA final yield is going to be, and we did this on Monday of this week, uh, our national average corn yield came in at 176.6 bushels per acre. So that is down from 177.5 bushels per acre last month, so down about a bushel. When it comes to soybeans, we went the other way we went up by about a half bushel. We went up to 51.3 bushels per acre. That gives us a little bit more safety net on the soybean balance sheet, particularly put together with last week's surprise finding of soybeans by USDA when they increased the size of last year's soybean crop by almost 81 million bushels. So it gives us a little bit more safety net, but it still leaves overall stocks somewhat snug. So so we still have to have a big crop in South America this year. And the expectation is that we're going to see some increase in soybean acres next year as well. So it kind of takes some of the pressure off supplies in soybeans and why we've seen soybean prices fall more than anything else during this harvest season. So you bring up South America. What are you hearing right now when it comes to development there? Well, when you see the weather reports, you'll see that we're really tracking better than normal on getting rainfall for Brazil to start their soybean planting season. But that's a little bit misleading. They've had some rain in northern Mato Grosso. They've had a lot of rain in the far south of the country. And in between, they've had virtually nothing over the past month. It's been very, very dry, just a scattered shower here and there. So it's the haves and the haves-nots. 
Now, the good news for them is, as we get into week two of the forecast, and this is a little bit delayed from what we were hearing last week, so it's something we're going to have to watch. Are these rains going to fail to verify or pull forward? But right now, the expectation is, as we get into week or the week two forecast, that we're going to see widespread rains everywhere, and that should allow for rapid planting of the soybean crop and get the crop off to a good start. Where we go from there is going to be the question with La Nina, the new long-range European monthly forecast that just came out this week are very dry for Argentina and southern Brazil for their summer months of December, January, and February. Again, how that's going to impact production is going to be the question and how accurate is that forecast this far out, but it does still leave a lot of things up in the air about the future of the soybean market. Head over to China. You were telling me a little bit about some power outage issues. What's that going to mean for our soybean market? Well, that's a potential risk to the demand side. We've seen over 20 soybean crushing facilities shut down because of power outages. Do they, they have the power production capacity. The problem is these power plants do not have the ability because of regulations to pass on the high costs of coal. Coal is setting record high prices in the world. Much of it's due to the environmental concerns over coal and reduced use of coal. So we're seeing record high prices for coal. The plants can't pass along, so rather than produce electricity, a loss, they shut down. So much in the industrialized sector, particularly in the northern part of China, gets shut down, and that means they can't crush soybeans. Unfortunately, demand is also soft because of poor returns for hogs. So we are at risk of seeing soybean imports from the United States. Those estimates start to drop over the next few weeks. We're going to have to watch this closely. All right, Arlen, best way for folks to reach you? StoneX.com. All right, that is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss or not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all the local dealers on the World Radio Network.